Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Thursday edition of The Drive. It's uh, it's it's also opening day. We've got some baseball folks here in the studio. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's opening day. And it's a different opening day than most with every single team playing. That is, if it doesn't rain out the game in San Diego. And that's that's, cra- that's a crazy thing right there. Because San, the, the, the Padres and Diamondbacks were supposed to play this afternoon. They've moved it to tonight because of torrential rains there in San Diego. But, yeah, happy opening day, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Thursday edition of The Drive. Bill here. Dan is out for the rest of the week. Got some uh, uh, family things going on down in uh, down in Florida. So he'll be back on Monday. Uh, but it being Thursday, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer here in the studio. Ferg, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, yeah, opening day. Good to see the Braves get started early, get a win. Not not happy about the not Max, all good news. Yeah, not all good news. The Max Freed uh, the the Max Freed injury uh, is doesn't look great. But uh, was no. was he covering first? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and and you know that's one Just of the things up. people always you know for for years people say you know what do you even need spring training for? It should be for guys to go ahead and get stretched out, um, be completely ready. But but then you leave. The one thing is, spring training is great because it's in warm climates. Yeah, but, but then you leave and you go to and colder, was, colder weather. It was, supposed to, it was apparently really cold yeah. in DC today. It sounded like it. Um, and uh, so Max Freed in the fourth inning, after you know he had a lead, what was it, three-one uh, or something? Three, then yeah. um, covering first base on a on a ground ball. Uh, pulls up lame, had to be taken out, and uh, he's going on the injured list. Hopefully he'll be back soon. I mean, uh, you know, the Braves already have Kyle Wright out, Mike Soroka trying to get uh, back to himself down in the minors. They've got two rookies that are in the rotation right now, and, and we'll just have to see what and, you know and, who's next. And Rizal Iglesias, the, the That's right. supposed closer for the team now, is uh, is on the aisle. But, you know, Braves had a, a good start. Um, seven runs with only with only one extra base hit. Matt Olson hit one off the top of the wall uh, in the middle of the game. And it was a pretty good win. Pretty good win and always good. Uh, Travis Darno uh, adjusting to life with, uh, with a new uh, catcher with him and Sean Murphy. He plays DH today and goes four for five. So, uh, yeah, not having to worry about catching, you know, pretty, uh, pretty strong worked out start. pretty well for pretty, Travis. Pretty strong start. I, f- I was feeling bad for uh, slightly there for uh, uh, Patrick Corbin. I think Patrick Corbin had 75 pitches through like three innings or something like and, that. And, and it wasn't like the Braves were pounding him. No. Uh, and and the, uh, the the Nationals' defense didn't help either. But, I mean, there were, there were it seemed like a lot of the hits for both teams were seeing eye hits or, yeah. or balls. A couple of balls got lost in the sun. Yep. So, uh, but the Braves get the win 7-2. So, a good start for the Bravos. Drew is at the controls. He's a Cubs fan. They got a shutout. Yeah. Um, uh, Marcus Stroman goes out and and gets them uh, six innings as the uh as as the Cubs 
um, blank the Brewers, who with, got, uh, who've got a decent got a decent offense with uh, with Corbin Burns on the mound. So that got, is right. Got to get after Cor- Corbin getting Burns some runs bit. off Corbin yeah. Burns is a big deal. Sure. Meanwhile, over in the American League, the first homer of the season make it, it, it is uh, just just. Perfectly, it's Aaron Judge. No, um, first at bat of the year, right off off Logan Webb, who is a really good pitcher. He, he had, I think, he had eleven strikeouts, is what Drew was saying today. But the uh, but the Yankees scored five. They went five nothing. So those are your finals thus far today. We can the uh, Orioles are jumping on. Uh, it's ten uh, seven yeah. now in the oh, night. Okay, so ten seven uh, Orioles over the, over the Sox. Was off to a pretty good pretty good. Yeah, start. so that's a that's a good old American League game right there. Ten yeah. to seven 10 to opening 7. day. You know, you throw your aces, and you've got 17 runs scored. Um, but, yeah, we, we can, we'll can we talk about other things. But just, uh, you know, the excitement of opening day is fun. So uh, so welcome in, everybody. It is the Thursday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well. Another beautiful spring day. A little cooler this morning, but it's warming back up. So hope everybody doing well. Hour number one of The Drive brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. They're also the sponsor of our hotline. We apologize. We had some problems earlier in the week with the phones, but everything working just fine. We'd love for you to join in on the Kia of Auburn hotline, and that number is 334-321-1390. You can also text us. And the drive text box uh, brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. That number is 334-564-1840. All right, so, yeah, it's opening day, but there is a lot, mm-hmm. lot going on. Um, well, in the, in the world of sports, we're, um, you know, two days away from the Final Four. Yep. We are, uh, let's see, we're, we're a day away from uh, SEC baseball continuing with Auburn at number two, Florida. Uh, Auburn football is uh, about to wrap up the next to the last week of spring practice with A-Day coming up next Saturday. And there's a lot of interesting notes coming from there. And then, you know, to back to basketball, I said the Final Four gets underway Saturday. But, man, there is movement there is serious movement in the transfer portal. Yeah, and Auburn is uh, hard at work right now, contacting a lot of dudes to try to fill in their roster for next year. And then, obviously, with Yoan Treor and uh, Chance Westry, that news coming out earlier this week about their uh, impending departures from Auburn. So uh, it's going to be a pretty uh, interesting ride. We still don't know, if, you know, for sure if Jalen Williams or Alan Flanagan will be coming back for a fifth year. Um, but a lot, a lot of different directions this roster can go. And then, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm sure y'all might have talked about it uh, in yesterday's show, but Aiden Holloway had a great McDonald's All-American game for a guy who didn't start, mm-hmm. didn't finish, scored about really, a point really a minute, well. Yeah, played really, really well. So a lot of uh, a lot of intrigue, but also I think there's a lot of reasons uh, for optimism for, for Auburn basketball. Hey, he was uh, on TV forward. again today. Yeah. I watched a little of that. I think he had uh, he had double figures. He had twelve or fourteen, I think, today. It's really good. I mean, just a a scoring guard. He is he's doing a really really good job uh, there, and I think he's gonna be a great addition. But yeah, Auburn. Uh, I mean, it seems to be every day now. You're hearing about at least two or three more guys. Uh, they are attacking in the portal uh, to try to to try to um, you know bolster their roster. They've got a couple of guys that are like. Point guard types, a couple guys that are big men, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of twos and threes with with shooting ability, with really good size and really good shooting ability. It seems like they have a type that they're really going after right now. Um, to 
uh, to the news that came out about uh, Yoan and, and and Chance, we had sort of you know we talked. We there'd been a little speculation. How surprising were either of those to you? I was surprised at Chance. I wasn't sh- I wasn't shocked, but I was just like, okay, well, I mean, I thought he had a better chance to come back. Um, mm-hmm. I think everybody did. I think uh, I think that was the bigger surprise, right? Yoan, not as surprising to me. I do wonder how much those guys' decisions may be communicating what could be happening with a guy like Jalen Williams in the case of Yoan and, yeah, sure. and a guy like uh, Alan Flanagan in the case of, of Chance. Or, I mean, you got to also consider the thing with Chance is Auburn currently has two point guards on their roster. They're bringing in Aiden Holloway. Um, and, you know, if, if a guy like Alan Flanagan comes back, it, there's no guarantee you're going to get a ton of playing time. And that's what I've been trying to, you know, tell folks this week that have kind of been concerned. It's like, look, you can. I mean, it's just the nature of the of the portal. It's the nature of college basketball. Hey, it, and all. It, the revolving door is is moving. It's very fluid, and and you know there uh, are three hundred and sixty three Division one basketball teams. Somebody is going to give you a, a, a ton of playing time if you're looking for mm-hmm. it. And and I think in the case of both Westry and Treyor, next season, while you would think there's a lot of upside with those guys, there also was no guarantee that they would be starters or high or high volume guys, especially if there's some other movement happening with guys deciding to come back and and how Auburn's trying to reload. Um, so, yeah, Westry, a little bit, the, the bigger surprise for sure. Um, but uh, I, I do wonder what kind of the, the thought process there is with him. And um, both of those guys, for you know their own reasons, just did not have the freshman seasons that they were uh, hoping to have. Mm-hmm. And so Auburn is, I think it, it really underscores that next season, I think Auburn's going to really have to hit hard with guys that are proven commodities uh, in the transfer portal, uh, guys that you bring back, and try to build around that. Yeah, the um, uh, to the to the situation with Yoan, you're right. I mean, if uh, he played mostly five this year, and uh, if if you know you expect Janai back, and if Jalen comes back, there's absolutely no guarantee that he's going to get a whole lot more minutes. He played about ten minutes a game. I mean, you'd think he might get yeah. a few more, but there's surely no guarantee of. Oh, there's 20 plus minutes available for you here now, and, and Auburn's also going after some other guys right. uh, in, in the front court. Uh, Khalil Ware uh, is is kind of the bigger name to see right now. Uh, the the big man from Oregon, Oregon. Um, mm-hmm. was a top ten recruit coming out. You know, he kind of strikes me a lot. Uh, different situation, but it's kind of a similar background to a guy like Walker Kessler, top ten player. You know, five star All American coming out of high school. Didn't get a ton of playing time in his first stop, trying to go into the portal and see if he could find a spot that that you could land with. And and that's what that's what everybody who's looking at Yohan Treyor is going to think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, I think that's going to be an, an interesting case there. But yeah, Auburn's going after a ton of dudes right now who are shooters, um, combo guards, or wings. Uh, that can give them, um, you know, some some real some real points. Uh, the the couple the, the two names that really stand out, I think, to me the most is Denver Jones. Yep, uh, uh, that that's the first one. I mean, we heard about him first, and uh, you know, I, I think Auburn and Alabama are two. Are, are two of the schools that are seriously in there. Isn't Arkansas in it, too? Arkansas's in it for everybody. I'm, I'm yeah. serious. If you see anybody who goes in the portal, Arkansas's in the mix for them. Uh, the other one, uh, this one's coming out the last couple of days that I am that I think would be a really interesting fit for Auburn is, uh, is T.J. Bomba from Washington State. Yep. Uh, he's 6'5", averaged about 16 points a game last year. 30, 37, 38. 37% yeah. from deep. He's got two seasons of eligibility remaining. He would be a really good pickup. But there's, there's he's a out number of New York, guys. isn't he, originally? I believe that's I right. Think so. Yeah, but a guy who's played three years of Pac-12 basketball has been mm-hmm. one of their best scorers the last couple of years, I think, is, is a really good sign. And then uh, another one that came uh, today, or either last night or today, that I saw 
Uh, A.J. Store from St. John's, he's 6'6". Hmm. He averaged nine points a game last year, but he shot 40% from deep, played about 25 minutes a game at St. John's. He was a top 100 recruit last season and is going to be so – uh, So he's just a, a finishing he'll be coming freshman up, year? Yeah, he'll be a sophomore oh, okay. next year, so he'll have three years. Oh, yeah, stuff. you'd love to get somebody that's yeah, got and Auburn's, years. and Auburn's gotten guys – you know, a lot of the a lot of the guys that are going after the portal are upperclassmen that have played a decent amount of basketball – um, not necessarily just one year rentals, but a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of those guys like that. But there are some guys. Amari Abram uh, from Ole Miss was Auburn, one of them. Auburn hadn't gotten many. I, who, I'm trying to think of how many just one year guys as Auburn guys. Early, early on, there were but not recently. Oh no, no, I'm just talking about guys they're going oh, yeah. after in the portal. Yeah, there's there's most of them have at least a couple years eligible. But there are some guys where uh, Abram um, and, and obviously uh, as Damian Dunn's been mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Golly, I'm I'm thinking I'm trying to think. It's been there's been a bunch of names. Oh yeah, uh, Jaden Epps was the one that came up the other day. Uh, he's a top seventy five player uh, from Illinois uh, or played at Illinois this past year. Averaged about ten points a game. Played twenty five minutes as a true freshman. He's in the portal. Top seventy five recruit uh, last year. So see that's the thing and that for, reloading spot that that should help. I mean, of course, it, it will help even more if Auburn lands somebody out out of this group someone similar to that but that would sort of explain to the to to the fans who are very concerned because two highly recruited freshmen are leaving yeah. thinking whether well, they're not even giving it a chance well you don't really have that chance hardly anywhere it's very no. rare for a for a highly touted player who doesn't get the opportunity to shine and and play a lot of minutes for them to stick around anymore. Yeah, and I think in the case of Epps and, and, and Store, you can look at two guys that played about 20, 25 minutes, yeah. and they're still on the move. Obviously, mm-hmm. Store leaving St. John's after that that big transformation there, I mean, they've with the new coaching change and all that. But, um, yeah, there's some other ones. Uh, another – a guy doesn't really fit in terms of size, but in terms of – but does fit in terms of can go and score. Uh, Jalen Cook from Tulane, he started his career at – at LSU, he averaged 20 a game this year at Tulane. Two-time first-team All-ACC, All-AAC guy uh, is in the portal now. Auburn has been one of the what? teams to con- contact him. Six foot, no, yeah, okay, that's what real I'm pure mm-hmm. like uh, guard combo guard, like scoring can be a scoring one or or play the two. So it, it's like Auburn's not, you know, necessarily like you can see them want to get three-point shooting. You want to see them get size and length there, but they're not ruling out anything at this point. I don't think you can um, with with the way. You've got it now. I mean, your roster, as it stands at the moment, has several. I think it's three or four scholarship spots you know are open yeah, right you, now. Well, you know of three. Mm-hmm. That's if Stretch if, if stretch came back. Yeah. I mean, because you've had the one left over from being a scholarship short this year plus the two that have left because you already replaced uh, Aiden with, Ze- or right, with Aiden. With mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so. So, so Auburn, I, I'd be surprised if they don't end up with – Closer to five than those three. Oh, yeah. And, and you might not maximize and use all of them because it's hard to play 13 right. guys. It is. It's hard enough to play 11 And, and what's, what's the point? What's the point of bringing in a couple of guys that might not, might, you know, that, that mm-hmm. might only be able to play? So for a, a guy minutes. like, for a guy like Stretch, if he's your 13th man on your, you know, on your roster, you'll absolutely take that. I mean, the amount, sure. You know, the amount of uh, experience he has. He's a really good scout team guy, um, gives you a lot, a very beloved teammate. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's room to play with already for Auburn and, you know, you're already coming off of a year, you know, two years ago, Auburn has a losing record and they go into the portal and they get four guys, uh, and then, you know, uh, end up 
obviously four guys and an elite player, you know, they go from a team with a losing record to a team that wins the SEC. This year, they're going to have the flexibility and the opportunity to get a lot of guys in the portal, bring in an elite player, Naden Holloway, and see where it goes. See where it goes from there. So there, it's it's a fascinating uh, roster overhaul that's already underway for Auburn. Yeah, and one thing to keep in mind is there's a dead period, I believe, started today mm-hmm. that goes through next Wednesday. Uh, you know, around the Final Four. So players will start being able to come in and visit. And I would think eight-day weekend would probably be a good time to bring some prospects in. I think Denver Jones is is coming in. Eight-day weekend. That would be it'd be huge for Auburn. I think Denver is probably one of like one of your big targets right now. And um, yeah, you know, Auburn could use a couple of scorers, shooters, guys who can give you some some length and some and some three-point shooting that you that you lack this year. Um, you know, from your backcourt. But then again, like you also look, there's some point guards they're going after, there's some centers they're going after, there's some forwards they're going after. Mm-hmm. Um, well, know, I mean, I Bruce said he was going to upgrade the roster. I mean, he'd like to. to upgrade it at every position if possible, and that's that's what you have to try to do every year. And you don't know for a fact yet if you are bringing everybody else back. Right. Um, not not just the guys that have the fifth year decisions to make, but you know, you could get into a scenario where other guys look into the look to the transfer portal and say, you know what, I'm going to go. You know, like like a Devin Cambridge uh, last year, like some others in the past for Auburn, where you know what, more playing time is going to be somewhere else. And like I said, if you have that, if you have that waiver and you can jump in, go do it because there are 363 Division One teams. Somebody's going to give you a lot of playing time somewhere. And usually, if you're a team, if you're a player who was recruited by Auburn and brought in by Auburn, um, you're going to have a lot of options to go to. And it might not necessarily be, oh, you have to go play at some. Really small school. No, you can go out and play at a at a pretty high level somewhere. It doesn't like I. I think a great example of it. He ended up going to South b- between, but like I think I think Javon Franklin's a great example. Um, goes to South Alabama, kind of rebuilds, it, and then he's at Georgia Tech this past year, yeah. playing really well in ACC basketball. Not a great team, but. Um, had a really good season, so you know those guys are always going to have those kind of opportunities. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline. We'll get to our first break. Love for you to join in as we're just underway here on the Thursday Drive. The drive continues. 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 The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN one zero six seven online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call three three four three two one one three nine zero. Toll free at eight 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 three eight two seven five zero two, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Justin Ferguson, and Drew at the controls. And we'd love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise. We were talking about the basketball portal and some uh, some things. I mean, you definitely need to keep an eye on this. There's some players that are going ahead and making up their minds. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would think a lot of the players are going to want to at least make an official visit. Yeah. But I mean, but I've I've seen I've seen a few players that have uh, you know within forty eight hours of entering the portal they they decide where they're going. Yeah, and it's not it's not completely unusual for guys to make commitments without visiting uh, right. in basketball and and especially in in the portal era. I know two years ago when Auburn built that roster with with transfers. Um, COVID also played a part in it. Like a lot of those dudes never even. Oh, sure. It was they all on they Zoom. Couldn't. Yeah, yeah they it was couldn't. all on Zoom. So, I mean, I think, I think coaches have gotten familiar with, you know, the, the this kind of, this kind of format. But yeah, like you were saying, dead period coming up here. And then next week kind of cranks back up again. And 
that would be a good time for for guys to start making moves, and I think that might be around the time where you can start to see maybe some decisions one way or another for some guys who are currently on Auburn's team, uh, because I think those are the next like big dominoes to fall. You have, like we said in the last segment, like you have room that you can add guys now if you want mm-hmm. to, and not have to worry about running anybody off. But um, oh, I you know, think there'll be some attrition, right? With the roster makeup, you want to know you'll want to know exactly who you got coming back before you really, really start, you know. Bringing in a ton of guys. Uh, sticking with basketball, uh, mentioned as we mentioned the uh, the final four coming up, and a lot of folks' minds the little game then the big game uh, coming up on Saturday. I'm, I'm sort of glad it's that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 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 wouldn't seem. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if 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 UConn and Miami were playing against. Florida Atlantic and San Diego State, respectively. If it were like that, everybody would expect you know UConn and uh, and and uh, Miami. Miami. I'm blanking. Thank you, Drew. It's Drew's team uh, to win and go ahead and get it. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the winner of the FAU San Diego State game may have a little a slight little mental advantage going in because oh, yeah. the winner of that Miami UConn game is going to feel like. They just won the title. Yeah, and they, and they also probably feel like they went through a war uh, just because oh, yeah. of how good and physical those two teams are. It's going to be an interesting Final Four. Obviously, this is the first year um, no top three seeds ever made it to the Final Four. It's never mm-hmm. happened before. Um, and I think it's, you know, I wrote about it in the mailbag that comes out tomorrow at the Observer where it's like it's fitting for the season that we had where they're like the closest thing we had to dominant teams were Alabama and Houston. And even then, they, they weren't like just Both this. of them, as soon as they hit number one, they lost. Yeah, the exactly. First time. Purdue, I mean, like, yeah. Purdue losing, losing as quickly as they did as, as number one as well. So um, it was pretty fitting. I, I wonder, you know, what the, uh, you know, how it all shakes out. I mean, because you, you like the way UConn's playing right now, the fact that they've just kind of bludgeoned everybody in this tournament, in this tournament where there's been so many close games and so many upsets and stuff like that. UConn's just kind of just stuck to their guns and just blown teams out. Um, so they'd have to be the favorite in that. But, I mean, Miami, when you come back from, you know, 13-14 down like they did the other day against a really good Texas team, um, you know, oh, you, you don't need to count out Miami against anybody. And then on the other side, I would argue that FAU's probably played the best, you know, balanced team basketball of anybody in this tournament. What are they, 35 or 36 and 4? Is it yeah. 35 and 4, maybe? Yeah. maybe this 36. is a team that's, this is a team that's in the Conference USA, and they are, um, Look at Conference USA. Yeah, got both of the NIT teams in her, and uh, although I think UAB UAB is is about to head out, but yeah, UAB North Texas is the is the NIT final, and and uh, and they won the CBI. Yep, they won the CBI as well. <laughs> it's, but yeah, the it, for Florida Atlantic. I mean, this is a team that you know they played some good teams in out of conference. They played Florida. They played you know Ole Miss didn't end up being a good team this year, but you know they they had some decent non conference play. They played in the Conference USA, and yet they entered this tournament, I think, like top 15, top 20 in Kimbom. They were very underseeded based on how good they've played right. this year. And all they've done is gone into this tournament and just continue to win. Uh, and they kind of strike me like the, um, kind of like how Auburn, when they went to the Final Four, it's that, that close call they had in, in the first round where, I mean, you could argue mm-hmm. that Memphis should have won that game. And they just keep winning, you know, take advantage of that opportunity. And then San Diego State, I think. Probably defensively is the most like sound team uh, that we've seen because they're not they're not a great offensive team. They can get it done, but it's the way they play defense just really really just wears on teams uh, throughout the game. So that should be a really fun game. 
Uh, and then, of course, you have that, that heavyweight fight between UConn and Miami. Um, UConn, I think, already now, this is a team that was you know four, four seed in the in the tournament. Um, and, uh, yeah, they are, I think they're up to number one on Kempom and number one on, on a lot of places. Like, they were really good this year. There was a stretch at the beginning of the year where people thought UConn might have been the best oh, team yeah. in the yeah. country. And, and then they, they, then they lost five, then they lost five out of six. But I mean, yeah. like, like everybody did. I mean, it has been the streakiest year. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and again, for, for the angst of, um, of, of, Auburn basketball fans and others who feel like, oh, it's just ridiculous that our team could blow leads. Look at the tournament. Throughout the entire tournament, a 10-point lead nothing. is nothing. No, absolutely nothing. And I think it also goes to show you, like, just with the portal and, you know, everything with you know, the one-and-done rule and all that, but as it's kind of cranked up, I think it's gotten harder for teams to be consistent because these guys usually just haven't, like, you get into tournament time and you're looking around, it's like, well, most of these guys, this is the first time they're playing with each other in a setting mm-hmm. like this before. And so you see, I mean, really good, really talented uh, um, regular season teams like Houston, like Alabama, you know, might not, al- might not always kind of pull it through. Whereas, you know, you had uh, San Diego State, um, I think FAU is a very well, you know, pretty experienced team. Um, they've been able to kind of fight through it, but it just with so much turnover, I think it just gets really tough for uh for teams kind of get done and some are really good at managing it jim laranega i mean that's that's a team that rebuilt itself through the transfer portal as well and they're back in the final four so some coaches have been able and some teams have been able to overcome it but it has it gives a big level of variance to this tournament there you just really don't know what's going to happen yeah it also shows you that especially in basketball i mean you can you know you can completely transform a, a team a program mm-hmm. In a very short period of time. Very, very short period I mean, of time. If not immediately. Yeah, and um, you know, you've got a you've got a situation where I think you go into the to the final four this weekend and I don't think you look at any of the teams on Saturday and say they can't win it. No, like I agree. even like even FAU and San Diego State, even though they are the smaller than the other dogs, like one of them's gonna be playing for the title. Right. And well, they, I mean, San Diego State did I mean Alabama was the number one overall seed. They knocked them off. Why shouldn't they be able to beat anybody yeah. else? Absolutely. And FAU and FAU just has beaten everybody. Yeah, FAU's just they're just really good at playing basketball. Yeah. Like they've just played really good offense and defense all year long. So it's been a fun year and, and um, you know, I think it's a tournament you know, befitting of this of this season that we had where nobody was really super dominant and it kind of gets chaotic from there. And, you know, that's, that's, that's why, that's why college basketball is so much different than everything else. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Love for you to join in anything on your mind sports wise, as we continue here on the Thursday drive. Turn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Justin Ferguson for the Auburn Observer. Drew at the controls. Justin, while we've got a little time, talk about what all's going on, what folks can find at the Observer, how they can get it, and 
if you still got the great deal going. The, the great deal is still going on. We've got it going between uh, now and the end of a day weekend. So Easter Sunday is when that'll run out. Uh, $40 for a whole year. We usually are 60 for a year. It's 40. We've been doing this for spring ball, gotten a lot of people to sign up with it, which is really cool to see, but we've got a ton, um, this week. So a lot of talk about football. Uh, wrote a story about Auburn's receivers today. Um, you know, had a, had a story about Cadillac with the big recruiting weekend that he had this past week. Um, the observations from uh, Holden Garner. Holden Garner is going to be a big topic in the mailbag tomorrow. We'll have a podcast out tomorrow. And then also keeping track, we, we talked about it in the first half hour, but we're doing a, a roster tracker like we do for football. We're doing it for basketball. A little bit easier, but oh, you, yeah. you can keep track of all of the transfer portal uh, targets that Auburn has, where everything's kind of breaking down with the guys coming and going. So all that at The Observer. Go to auburnobserver.com, sign up. You get that $40 deal. Don't need a code or anything like that. It's just wherever you sign up. And uh, everything we do gets emailed to your inbox. So if you sign up now, tomorrow morning you will get our latest podcast. It's only for subscribers and our mailbag. Uh, it has a lot of questions about Auburn football and basketball that we answered. And uh be a ton of stuff. Uh, we've got Next week we'll be busy heading into A-Day. And then we'll be, we'll have our eye on basketball, and it'll be the actual off season, but it ain't gonna slow down here. Uh, it'll 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 sort of be the off season, but the uh, football transfer portal opens up again May first. So, exactly. So Auburn, Auburn will be. I guarantee you, there will be movement. There will be more announcements from players mm-hmm. uh, deciding that they're going to enter the portal as more teams finish up their spring. Auburn's yep. going to be one of the first done yep. with that April eighth uh, a day, but uh, as as not just Auburn, but as everybody gets to a spring, there'll be quite a few players that are going to be entering the portal, and I think that's uh, a good thing. I know that oh, yeah. uh, I know Hugh Freeze uh, was was had had really hoped to, or would would have liked to have had a little opportunity to to take a breath mm-hmm. before they got going into the spring. But this is going to be great for them to be able to focus everything on roster management. Yep, from April you know eighth at three or four o'clock in the afternoon on. Yeah, exactly, and, and there's a lot to to address. Um, they've got spots to play with uh, in terms of scholarships. Other guys could go into the portal as well. And as as Free said on on Monday, if you if you can help us out immediately, and you're and you fit our culture, we're interested in you in the transfer portal. I don't think they're necessarily saying, oh, we'll only take this guy or we'll only take this guy or anything like that. Um, or this position, it's it's. I think it, I think any position group could get an upgrade. Oh um, yeah. Well, the I mean, only one, the only one I feel like you probably don't need much is running back, and then tight end maybe. Yeah. Oh, you're other right. than that. You're right. you, other than that, you could probably take somebody anywhere. If, if there's a maybe great, if there's a great player, a game breaking player at any position, sure, you got yeah, you'll find room for him. But I mean, obviously there there are positions of need, mm-hmm. uh, and and you mentioned receivers. Is that one of them? I, I I would think so. I would think so. Just because it's not a group that's overly deep uh, with with numbers. They've dealt with some injuries this spring. A uh, guy like Malcolm Johnson Jr. being out and have some dudes with some hamstrings, some ankle injuries, and stuff like that. I, I think they w- would love to get some more experience. I mean, Nick Martiner, I think, is going to bring something to your to your room as a transfer. But if you can go get another guy in the portal, you absolutely need to take it. Because uh, I wrote about him today. Auburn's receiving group. You know, they talk about the 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 doubts and the criticism about them, and it's it's. I think. I think Auburn fans and I think Auburn coaches have, have been preaching this. I think you need to be patient with these guys um, because they're learning a new offense and a lot of them are kind of repping a lot of stuff for the first time. But also, you know, mind last year, Auburn did not have a single receiver finish in the top 50 in receptions in the mm-hmm. SEC. Uh, and they were only, uh, Javarius Johnson was like 
thirtieth, twenty ninth. Should have been targeted more. Absolutely, uh, and, and of course Auburn's own receiving, like their own passing game problems, played into that for sure. But this is a group that doesn't have a ton of experience coming back, doesn't have a t- ton of returning production, so um, they're going to have to have to really rebuild. And uh, if you could bring in somebody who has that kind of experience, you, you would go out and do it. I think if. I think if there was a guy like a Coy Moore who was in the portal this time, uh, you know, this year, I think you would definitely go after him. Now, obviously, if he's coming in as an SEC player, he would have to be a grad transfer at this point. But you would at least go and get somebody with that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. I think wide receiver is the big one, uh, and then and then obviously edge rusher. Um, you would love to see another Ekuliota type pop up in the portal and, and take him. Yeah, some some interesting comments uh, the last few days about the edge rushing position. I didn't get a chance to get over there with the players yesterday, but um, Cam Riley, um, mm-hmm. I, I guess, spoke a little bit about Powell Gordon, who – who, when I asked Ron Roberts, he said, we've thought about it. And Cam uh, said yesterday he's played a little jack here, uh, or at least has lined up over there. I think there's going to be some It packages. would make sense. Yeah. I mean, it really would. And that's what he did at Hillcrest. So, like, you know, that was, that was his kind of mm-hmm. general position. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that all kind of comes. I think Keldrick Falk, I wrote about Keldrick Falk this week um, as well. Uh, Keldrick Falk is a great talent for a freshman he's huge and there's a lot of he's hype. very agile for a for a for a young man that large and and his teammates and his coaches have been raving about how how well he's played but i would you know kind of pump the brakes here it's really hard for a true freshman to come in and be a game-changing weapon immediately as a pass rusher it just is uh you look back since 96 there have only been there have only been five freshmen in Auburn uh, for Auburn that have had at least four sacks in a season. Three of those were redshirted guys. One of them was Carl Lawson. Like you know, it's these big time talents. Last season, the only yeah, two. Keldrick Falk's a big time talent. Exactly. Like so, it's, you have to. You, you can mm-hmm. see where there's a potential, there, and he's going to have that opportunity. Last season, only two uh, SEC freshmen had more than four sacks in a year. Uh, one of them was Harold Perkins, uh, who was the who was a top ten player in the country, and then the other one was um, Michael Williams, who was a top five player in the country coming out of high school. So it was like really, really top tier talents can make it happen. So I think he's going to have that combination of talent and 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 you know uh, ability to kind of seize that opportunity. However, it's I just hard, don't. I just hard don't for know. them to, yeah. to load up that quickly. And, and then Keldrick, I just don't know that he is really that going to be the sack monster kind of guy, but he's a guy who's going to be disruptive. He's a guy I think he's going to make a lot of plays and you need because him. of his combination of size and agility and speed. But yeah, I just don't see him as the guy just blowing by people like the guys you were talking about. He's right. not, you know, Harold Perkins is a completely different I go animal. back to different kind, different type of player, but I go back to like Marlon Davidson's freshman year where it was like Marlon played a lot mm-hmm. and Made a, made a lot, lot of plays, plays, but I think he only finished like two sacks right. that year. It's just that I could see Keldrick having more than that, but right. I don't see him. No, I don't. I don't see him as a guy that's uh, you know going to get. By the way, LSU or something like LSU, that. LSU. Speaking of Harold Perkins, they're moving him to inside linebacker this year. Uh, I saw that today. That's very interesting. Uh, they were like, we he had him so good on the outside. <laughs> they said we had him at the edge last year because it was simple and we could just say, hey, you're good. Go. We need you on the field. Go for it. He said, now it's like you're one of our best players. We need you in the middle of the park so you can do It'll some be everything. Interesting to see sometimes making sometimes those moves don't work 
as well as you'd like because there's not as much space for them to be operating. I would have kept them out there. I mean, yeah, I'm not a coach. I but think I probably would, too. And just say, you know, you're you, just going to be a you They need somebody else inside. I think they also, I think they miss Demario Tolan. They do. They do. They really do. They th- they thought Demario Tolan was going to be one of their guys this year. And, and Tolan, I think, has done a good job of kind of hitting the ground running for Auburn. There's some guys that are kind of ahead of him on the pecking order right now, but they like his athletic ability. They mm-hmm. like the way he can, he can go out there. I think it's just going to be a matter of, learning the defense, getting plugged in. Whereas a guy like Austin Keys, who's played a lot of football, has been able, I think, to kind of separate himself a little bit more, be more on that kind of first-team kind of rotation early on than a guy like Tolan does. But be very interesting to see. I mean, that linebacker group has gotten a lot of love. It really has, and that's an area I think that a lot of Auburn folks thought, oh, here's a big concern. We're really going to need to go back into Portland and find another linebacker or two. They've got depth. They've got depth, and they've got guys that they've that they that they like. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of you know finding the right combinations. I think the bigger issue, obviously, is is a Jack because you got Keldrick. Mm-hmm. Um, Elijah McAllister is a guy that you know can give you a, a, you know a lot in terms of a role, but he didn't have a whole lot of production in terms of sacks and tackles for loss right. at Vanderbilt. And then haven't really seen or heard a ton about Dylan Brooks. Probably heard more about Brent Williams, um, which good for him right down the road in Opelika. And then, yeah, I think you might do have to do some situational stuff where you look at a guy like Cam Riley or you look at a guy like uh, Powell Gordon and say, "Hey, if you can you can you come help us on the sure. edge on a third down or something like that?" And then I think that's I think that would be a good good spot good spots for those guys to I, you know separate themselves. I think really if if, if Auburn keeps uh, the its corners healthy, I think I think Auburn's got a chance to be better than good defensively. Yeah, and I think the defensive line room. Um, has really picked it up. Uh, that's that going to help whoever the Jack is, too. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You know, you talk about um, Elijah McAllister at Vandy. I don't think he had the help no, he that, that he's going to get inside I, I, people I, taking up a double team. I know last year wasn't great, obviously, for Auburn uh, in, in terms of in terms of how they played, but I think a good example of that is Marcus Bragg. Marcus Bragg didn't have a ton of stats at Western Kentucky, but he came in at Auburn and made some plays because, look, Here's Derek Hall. Here's, here's Colby Wooden. Here's Marcus Harris. They can create mm-hmm. stuff for you. Uh, were you were you out there on Monday when uh, we were over on the defensive line room when they had the defensive line when they had their combinations out there? No. Uh, the best one I saw out there is that and and. Um, I mean, Jerry I walked Garrett. over there, but I, they were just doing individuals. Jerry Garrett, Jeremy Garrett talked about it. They had a line, they had a three-man line one time that had both uh, Jason Jones and Justin Rogers on the field at the same time. And that is a that is a that massive is I mean, I was going to say, they're going to be big anyway up front. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When a guy like Jeffrey Embaugh... Because Jeffrey Embaugh's an end. Right. When, when Jeffrey Embaugh and Marcus Harris are your smaller guys in yeah. that room, it's like, okay, that, that tells you a lot. But, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to they're gonna have some packages and some sets in where, they, I mean... Uh, I added it up the other day. It's that is seven hundred and sixty-five pounds worth of person and two people <laughs> for with those two guys around the field or something like that. Um, maybe a little bit. You know, I had my math yeah, wrong. Yeah, it's six hundred. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. not seven. Six hundred. Uh, six seventy-five. Six seventy-five. Like that. yeah. That's right. Um, but yeah, that's that's a whole lot of dude uh, up there, and you know. It, Jeremy yeah, you gotta, said he, you has, he has been training those guys in multiple positions, and, and you know, with 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 Jeffrey, uh, the, you're 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 getting close to a thousand pounds for three guys Ooh. there, and yeah, and then and then say Keldrick Fox out there, he's only you know two seventy five as a as, as an eighteen year old. That's just, I mean, that's the thing. I I was talking about it with somebody the other day. It's there's a there's been a handful of times, you know, 
covering practices where I remember seeing a freshman on the field and saying, like, okay, physically that dude looks different than, like, everybody else as a, as a freshman. And the ones that I can remember are uh, Braden Smith. Braden Smith immediately when you saw him was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's different. Uh, kind of a different kind of different uh, position, but Kyle Davis – uh, at wideout was just looked look a whole lot different, and then yeah, Keldrick. I mean, Keldrick just you would not you would not look out there on the field and say that kid right there is eighteen years old. No, like, you're right. it, you would never you would never point that out. It, it appears that there are at least three of the incoming freshmen who who have really really um, made an impression. There's Keldrick, there's Kay and Lee, mm-hmm. and Connor Lou. Yeah, absolutely. And I think all three of those guys play. I think even in a case where Connor Lou isn't a quote unquote starter. starter he he will be a he will be a guy that you need. Like, Golly, he we so we've seen him. He's number two at center, and then he was running to it at guard the other day. Yeah, he was running first team at guard when uh, during that stretch when Tate Johnson was out. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he's going to be. I think he is your next man up on the interior, even if he doesn't pull off one of those. Let's say that other starting guard job, um, and then yeah, Kane Lee. It helps that Auburn only has three healthy corners right now, um, so he's getting a lot of playing time, yeah, getting a lot he, of reps. He'd be playing if Auburn had five or six healthy corners, and they're right gonna now. and they're gonna have about seven or eight by the time this whole class comes in at, at uh, in, in the summer. And then, um, yeah, I mean, and then Keldrick obviously is a position of great need. He's a, he's a great talent, and I think Auburn's away. But going back to what we were talking about earlier, if there is a transfer, if there is a guy that you can feel like you could plug and play there as a sack guy. That would be great if Auburn could pick him up, you know, use them and have some sort of rotation where guy, a guy like Keldrick Falk doesn't have to be like the guy oh, yeah. right off the bat. Absolutely. You don't want to, you don't want to, you know, kind of set it, set the bar way too high for him. We need to get to our final break of hour number one. Dan, hang on. You'll be up when we come back here on the Thursday Drive. Now, more of the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of hour number one here on the Thursday Drive. And let's get to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. And Dan is up first. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. You know, when you're talking about people that have the, I guess, the eye test or how they look, uh-huh. um, I saw a guy when I, when I was out, and he was super tall, and he, and he looked, I couldn't tell if he was a tight end, or I thought he was an NFL-type guy, and I was, I was asking my brother, I said, who is that guy? You know, because he just, he looked really like, like some of you'd see in the NFL, and then um, I eventually found out it was Nick Martiner. I mean, He's, he lists at six six one ninety. Uh, he's thicker than one ninety. Yeah. He, he looks. You can't a tell thicker. if he's a tight end or a receiver, or, or I mean, he looks like a power forward. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just a big dude. Yeah, you know what's interesting is the two guys we saw lined up with the first team the other day. You saw Mardner and Rivaldo Fairweather out there. They're, I mean, Rivaldo is definitely bigger, but I mean, they're both Cute. big. Solid, and when they and when they and when they float Camden Brown out there, it's yeah. not necessarily the smallest smallest guy in the world either. And then uh, there's Javarius who was inside; and he'd just get you know stand behind him. But yeah. I mean, he catches everything. So yeah, you're right. He's a, he's a big guy. Yeah, I, I definitely. I, I don't know how good he is, but, but I mean, obviously I know he's caught a bunch of balls. But it just it seems like if you throw a ball up to a guy like that, he's going to win a ton of those battles. <laughs> That, I think I think that's their I think that's their thought process with him. He's he, he wasn't necessarily a guy that was, 
you know, catch five or six a game in Hawaii or, or Cincinnati, but was a guy that situationally uh, mm-hmm. made some big plays, made some big catches. So big time uh, red zone guy, big red zone guy. I think uh, think very similar to like a different position, obviously, but like how Auburn used Sal Canelo in those last couple of years, where it's just like, all right, there's packages, there's sets where it's like you definitely need him on the field, even if he's not a guy who, when you're going hammer down between the twenties, you know, he'll be out there every play. Yeah, you know, maybe not, but. He, he he would definitely be somebody who can who can be a weapon uh, down near the red zone. Yeah, and then uh, one thing about basketball, um, I uh, talked to Al for a second when he was out, and it sounded to me like he was ready to kind of move on and mm-hmm. kind of test the NBA waters or the G League or whatever. I, I don't really expect him back, but it's just surprising to me about Westry. Is it possible that he could come back? Oh yeah, is it, is it pretty much? It's it's possible. It's possible. I will say this: there's something. I mean, and this isn't everything, but I think a good point is, you know, Yohan Treor made that announcement himself. Hey, I'm going to the portal. We have not heard anything directly from Westry yet. It has been just been reported that he's going into the portal. So I don't think that door is completely shut. Now I heard somebody this morning say that they had seen him listed officially in the portal. Yes. Yeah, but, uh, but he had. Yeah, but we still haven't heard. And, or, yeah, it hasn't been like, oh, he's definitely gone or one way or another. I mean, I mean, so I, 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 it's rare. It's very rare to bring a guy back once he comes in the portal. So it's a very low chance. But I wouldn't say it's impossible. Uh, and I think it also needs to depends on like who comes out there. And you were talking about Al. Yeah, I do think Alan Flanagan. Like, it would surprise me if Alan Flanagan came out and said, "Hey, I'm definitely coming back to Auburn." And I think it would be more one of those things where you at least test the waters, which he's done before, mm-hmm. uh, before making that decision. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if, he, if he goes on and tries to play the next level. And then i got one more small thing. Do you think that uh, Donaldson, I know he was playing the points, but he started really shooting great at the end of the year. Do you think that he could get work, more work as a shooting guard? And Because it seems like Holloway coming in would be more of a point guard. Yeah, I think both of the, I think both Trey and Aiden Holloway are both guys that give you one two flexibility. It's a little harder to play a guy like Wonder Green Jr. at the two just because of his size. size. Uh, yeah. But um, you know, I think Holloway's such a good shooter, and he's one of those guys that has played that two spot before uh, that he can help you. But yeah, Trey Donaldson, I think there were there was a little bit of run there uh, points in the year where he got to play the two, and it and it worked out for him. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that is is definitely a possibility, especially with no more Zepp Jasper. Um, you know, you have you have uh, Katie Johnson back right now, but we'll we'll see we'll see how Auburn tries to fill in those those off ball spots. But yeah, Trey, I, I think Trey definitely has the game and the and the skill set to to play there. Good hearing from you, Dan. We need to get to our top of the hour break. We're halfway done. Love to hear from you in hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Sports fans, Jeff Myers here, First Baptist Church of Opelika. Well, here we go. San Diego State, Connecticut, Fort Atlantic, and Miami. What do all these teams have in common? None of you predicted that any of them would be in the position that they are 
right now. And if by chance you got one of them, I can almost guarantee you did not get all of them. There is no one that could have predicted was taking place currently in the sports world. That being said, you and I are in that season. Now we call the Easter season or the resurrection season. Let me remind each and every one of us that Jesus Christ wasn't just predicted. He was prophesied by the days of old. 48 specific prophecies. His birth, his life, his death, and eventually his resurrection. And every single one of those 48 came true exactly as the Old Testament said they would. You and I can't even get four basketball teams in a Final Four right, and yet God got 48 things in advance by hundreds of years because Jesus Christ is the only Savior of humanity. Y'all have a great day. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Doug Brown. Baseball's opening day. All 30 teams scheduled today. Right now in the fourth inning, the Cardinals and Blue Jays are tied at five. Seventh inning, the Mets and Marlins are tied at three. Pirates lead the Reds 4-2 in the fifth. Twins lead the Royals 2-0 in the seventh in Kansas City. Opening day on ESPN TV and radio, 7 Eastern for the White Sox and Astros in Houston. ESPN's Jessica Mendoza believes the bigger bases and lack of shifts will help teams like the Phillies and Rangers score more runs. Both of those teams, because of their left-handed hitters that are going to hit more ground balls to that side, more runs are going to get through, they're going to go through. I don't think the pitch clock is going to impact maybe the amount, plus or minus. I do think we're just going to see more action, period. Jessica Mendoza on Fitz and Harry right now in the fifth inning. The Rangers lead the Phillies 9-5 to thanks to a nine-run fourth inning. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reports Alabama freshman Brandon Miller will enter the NBA draft. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. The sports capital of Alabama. This is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome in. It's hour number two of the Thursday Drive on a beautiful Thursday afternoon. Has the uh, is, is the pollen maybe be uh, maybe headed out? Haven't noticed Hopefully. nearly as much pollen over the last few days since we got that serious rain yeah. the other day. <laughs> they were painting at my apartment complex today, and I was like, I was just painting it all over the pollen that's all on the on the walls and on the, on the floor <laughs> out here. But uh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, you know, we got that that little cool cooler spell. Those cooler nights, I think that was that's pretty nice. This is a good temp right now. Can oh, we it just is. hang out here for a little while? It's great. I mean, uh, today temperatures in the seventies. You know, it's going to be fifty or something tonight. Yeah, that's great. That actually feels like spring. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned a while ago at the start of the show, I mean, it's it's opening day. A lot of lot of day baseball here on the opening day of Major League Baseball. Uh, the Braves win. Um, that. 
that's that's good news for Braves fans. The not so good news is you lose your your opening day starter. It it appears. It said, uh, I mean, I think Brian Snicker said, most likely. He yeah. did say Max Fried is going to miss at least one start. They haven't, uh, uh, they haven't decided yet because if they feel like he can be back in six or seven days, yeah. because pitchers have to go on a 15-day injured list. Yeah, so that, that, you, know, you, you might want to hang out This is one of those that's going to be day-to-day for, for a few days. Yeah, that would be, that'd be a good sign. I feel like you just miss one start. There's a couple off days in there right. as well. In that er, mix, early so. in the season always. Yeah, so I think because yeah, the Braves don't play tomorrow, I think there's a handful of teams that don't yeah, play tomorrow. Yeah, a lot tomorrow. of teams, a lot of teams don't play tomorrow. Uh, you get that Thursday opening Thursday, day, and then you still, day off, and then you still want that Saturday Sunday, yep. you know, uh, uh, line there. So, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. But like you know, we were talking about earlier, Braves. I'm I'm, ha- I'm happy overall with with the performance. Got to, I mean, got some good got some good offense. There's some guys I wasn't necessarily expecting to have. Small, there's there's awesome. 161 more games. That's yeah. the thing. It's yeah. like yes, it's great to get a win. Absolutely, you can't you you can't win them all unless you win the first one. So that's why. But I did like I did like the fact that you know the Braves were a team last season that were very power heavy. Like you know and and and. For them to score seven today, when they only have one extra base hit, I think it's a pretty good sign. That, you know, they could slap it around if they have to. The other thing, uh, it's it's really interesting if you watch any of it today. If you haven't been paying much attention during the spring because of March Madness and 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 the start of spring football practice and things like that, the new rules. Oh yeah, the new I'm rules. A fan. Uh, I like for, it. Yeah, for the for the most part, I believe I am too. I'm still. I don't know that I'm still crazy about the larger bags. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I like seeing stolen bases. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you're going to get stolen bases now that a pitcher can only throw to first. They can only, uh, have step off or throw to a base twice mm-hmm. while a batter is batting. Yeah, and that's, I think, you know, we saw and it. Did you today. see Ronald? I mean, I, I was so shocked that Acuna didn't steal his first time. He gets on and. He ended up getting it, though. Yeah, but I mean, he didn't go ahead after the, after the second. He tried. He fell down. He tried and fell down and got back to the bag. Oh, uh, I didn't realize yeah. that. See, again, like I couldn't I couldn't watch. Yeah, no, he fell down trying to trying to go there and then he ended up stealing uh, after that. But yeah, that's gonna be big for sure. Um I do like the pace of pet play. Uh you know, the guys getting hit with it a little bit where with the you know, the the Braves had an incident today with um uh, you with Colin McHugh uh, having a ball called on him because he wasn't ready in time after yeah you know, after the the inning started and or right right as the inning was started you yeah know. he didn't realize that it, he didn't realize it was a walk because he 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 knew he'd thrown three balls yeah exactly and and so this was a this is a an interesting uh, interesting little experiment but I think you know the somebody said today it was like the Yankees. That Yankees uh, game today, Yankees Giants game today, it got over quick. It's like two and a half hours. Yeah, it got over quick. It was a five nothing game. Yeah, so um, I'm you know I'm a fan of that. I did I did like you know I I had the Braves game on uh, on the TV during while well, I was working this morning and, and this early this afternoon. I did like the fact that like the game kind of went by quicker. There's 162 of these things. You don't need them all to go three three and a half hours. So well, know, if you can cut them down, you, it'd be helpful. Yeah, spring training games were 25 26 minutes shorter on the average than than they had been. There's a the pitch. They don't like to call it the pitch clock, the pitch timer, mm-hmm. and then the, the you've you've got uh, you know the batter has to be in the box by a certain time. The pitcher has to be. Uh, ready to throw. I mean, yeah. every, everything has to be done. Uh, also, They'll get used to it. Also, by the way, like we're talking about the Braves 
getting as many hits as it like a, a ton of singles today and and only only one extra base hit the no shift the no shift that they, is, that's they already been a lot big of, they beat a lot of uh mm-hmm. they beat a lot of plays out where you know would have been outs i mean would guys would have hit it right at into the shift or something like that so a lot of lefties I think you're going to have you're, you're going to have more runs is what you're going to end up getting. You're going to leave more hits, I mean, higher we, batting averages. We were talking about ERAs, we were talking about during runs. the break. Uh, it's Aaron Nola versus uh, Jacob Degrom in that it, fil- in that Philly, Texas game, and yeah, and it's already 15 runs have scored in the middle of the fifth inning. Yeah, so if that kind of game can 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 have uh, the kind of scoring impact, uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'd like to I'd like to say, I mean, I. I do wonder like how much those some of those rules are going to really hurt them in like in like close games, so tight you know tight games, you know, and how and how controversial that be. But for right now, it seems to be motoring along pretty well, and I'm a, I'm a fan. Yeah, uh, Jacob Degrom, by the way, three and two thirds innings, five earned runs uh, today, and then Aaron Nola, who threw three shutout innings, goes uh, he ends up three and two thirds, five earned runs because. Uh, the Rangers put up a nine spot in the fourth. And today in baseball, uh, we were talking about earlier. Uh, you get to see history. For, uh, Adley Rushman goes five for five. He's the uh, with four RBIs. It's the only time that's ever happened in an opening day ever for a guy to go. And there have been a few opening days. Yeah, uh, and I think the only other guys to go five for five with multiple RBIs uh, in in baseball history on opening day. One of them was Babe Ruth. Um, so you know. Yeah, he said Billy Herman and Baker. Billy Herman, that was yeah. the other. I was I was blanking on the other one, but uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, pretty good company for the defending AL Rookie of the Year uh, yeah. to, to be <laughs> to be in right now. Yeah, so uh, so uh, yeah, it, it it is fun with with opening day. A lot of things going on though. We talked about uh, in hour number one uh, basketball. A lot of basketball news. Obviously, the Final Four coming up this weekend, and and uh, uh, the championship game on Monday night. But the the basketball news: Auburn with Yoan Treor and Chance Westry in the portal, and and Butch uh, and, and Bruce Pearl and company um, in touch with numerous players as they enter the portal, and that that's what that's the way you have to be, Justin. I mean, it's like as players enter the portal. Um, we, we were talking with with uh, Justin Kirby last week, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how unbelievable it was. That is, I mean, within minutes of him officially being in the portal, he his phone blew up, and that's you know that's just the way it is now. I mean, yeah. um, people, you know, fans need to realize that. I mean, there are there are staffs, not just it's not just. Oh, did did anybody go in the portal today? Well, we but we ought to contact him. At I would say at every school, you've got people. That's that's what they're doing, and as soon as someone's in the portal. Uh, you've got to know if you are going to have interest in him. Go ahead, and he better be hearing from you right now. Yeah, and the good thing is, is that we we have put these windows in place mm-hmm. in the portal. Oh, it's so much better now. It's cleaner, and you're not having to worry about it as much. Like while you're doing, you know, while you're going through the season, or you're going through practice, or, or, or you're or you're on vacation. Yeah, you know, you're going to oh, we're we're going to take we're going to take a weekend off, and somebody went in the portal. I mean, it's like yep. there's always somebody. You, you now you know the times. I mean, for basketball right now. Um, you know, the, the, the portal, um, opened, um, basically the day after selection Sunday mm-hmm. and it's goes for 60 days. So, I mean, players have time to get in, they'll have time to take visits. And, uh, we, we mentioned in the first hour is a dead period. It starts today and goes through the, the <clears throat> excuse me, the middle of next week and players are going to be visiting. Uh, I, I mean, there'll be some players that'll, that'll decide where they want to go in the meantime, but they're, it's really going to get busy 
by the by next weekend. Yeah, and I think you know that being the first big weekend back in recruiting could help because Auburn obviously has the A-Day mm-hmm. game. There will be stuff going on on campus. Yeah, Auburn's got more things going on than a lot of schools will at yeah. that time. Uh, got the uh, got the Frank Thomas statue right. for baseball. should be a big baseball weekend. Um, so we'll we'll see we'll see how it all goes for for Auburn, um, but I, I do think that they're going to make some noise here in the portal. Um, they've got space to do it. They've got needs, and they are have contacted quite a few guys um, that that can fill in uh, what they need uh, in in this roster moving forward. Now, you, you mentioned a guy a little while ago. I mean, I think everyone is focusing on an area of it that Auburn would really like, and that's to get um, you know. A little more length, a little you know, a little taller guards that uh, that can shoot. I mean, some more help from the perimeter. Although um, statistically, and, and you're, I know you're you're huge into numbers. Auburn was not that much different this year, numbers wise, in a lot of categories. I think rebounding was probably as big a difference this year and la- from from last year. Yeah, defensive rebounding just was not not their strong suit this year, and and I think, you know, it it changed when you don't have Kessler down there, and you know, there were games where you had Janai. It was Janai Broom and nobody else. Yeah, and you just needed more. You needed more out of your uh, out of your rebounding and rebounding down and all that. So I do think that's going to be a big uh, area of emphasis for them this year. And they've got some guys they're going after in the portal that I think are bigger. Guards and wings that I think will be able to help him out. Just in, in, on top of the fact that they should be, you know, scoring and shooting uh, upgrades. It, it does appear that Auburn's looking at a couple of um, a couple of post type players mm-hmm. as well. I think that's interesting. I think there there are different styles of players that Auburn could look for, or different types. You want? Um, I mean, I think you're you're fine trying to bring in guys that that yes want to want to and, and expect to be starters. Mm-hmm. On on the perimeter, inside, if Jalen Williams comes back, you might not be able to bring in someone yeah. who who's going. You know where are the minutes, where are all those minutes going to come from? But what what Auburn really needs, they need someone to be what I think we thought Dylan Cardwell was going to be this year, somebody to be a defensive presence. Uh, and when Janai's not in the ball, when Janai's not in the game, to you know try to count on to get. Just about every rebound and and intimidate guys that are putting shots up. Yeah, and I, and I wonder, kind of moving forward, say a guy that like Chris Moore comes back for Auburn next year, is he a mm-hmm. three? Is he a four? If he's you know not, a, you could get into a situation where you know Jalen Williams and Jani Broom are going to give you offense, and you know Jani is going to give you good rebounding right. and protection as well. Jalen's a good playmaker and all that. I think you would love to get a defense guy, a rebound guy for sure as that backup five. I also think a backup four would be great if you just go get a oh, yeah. grinder down there. So somebody mm-hmm. who can uh can be really athletic and, and, and mix it up down there in the in the in the post. Um that would be another area to look at because yeah, we'll see with Chris Moore and just kind of what his future would look like because he was a guy that played the three, then he had to play the four and it just kinda went back and forth from there. Um there'll be you know they are going after some big name guys uh, that are big dudes, uh, not just guards and wings. It's mostly guards and wings. Mostly guards, right? Uh, but you know you've got a few forwards and you've got a few point guards, which is obviously interesting because Auburn's got several dudes well, on their roster right now who well, can who can play point guard. I, I would I would guess that just about every team had better at least keep themselves in position in case. Yeah, because there are Absolutely. no guarantees that uh, you know you might be in a situation. We were talking about it. You know, in the last hour, it's like 
you might be in a situation where a guy like Alan Flanagan or Jalen Williams or any of these other guys call and say, hey, I'm going to test the NBA draft waters and I'm going to go see what it's like. Well, guys are making decisions and guys are, guys are looking to the transfer portal right now uh, and, they, and they want to make moves. So you want to be able to at least say, hey, um, here's, what I, here, here's what I want and here's what we're going to make in case this guy decides, you know what, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm not coming back to college. I'm you sure going, don't I'm want to be caught short. Nope, you don't want to because it's once this portal window is over, it's kind of it because you're not going to get you're not getting any reinforcements mm. over the summer night in basketball. All right, we'll get to our first break. We'll talk a little more football. I want to get to Justin's thoughts on the quarterback situation, something we haven't touched on, which is surprising since we talked football for a, a good bit in hour number one. That, but anything on your mind? Love for you to join in. Any any of your thoughts and questions on the Kia of Auburn Hotline three three four. 321-1390. Come on in here on the Thursday Drive. One. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon, 19 minutes after 5 o'clock. Bill, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, Drew at the controls, and you can join in. You heard the numbers, 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind sports-wise? Talk a little basketball there in the first segment to football as uh, Auburn um, wrapping, about to wrap up the fourth week of practice next week will be the final week of of uh practice does it seem A-Day. like it's gone by super quickly to you it does but there was even an extra week in there yeah. because of spring break exactly uh, i mean it's a while but yeah this is it's it's been a really interesting uh spring because i think you've you've gotten a good mix of like hey these guys are turning heads these positions are um farther along than we want to be these positions need some help like you, you've mm-hmm. gotten a, you've gotten some of everything from this from this spring practice which is kind of be expected when you have a brand new staff and just a whole lot of newness uh for for this crew it seemed it seems thus far like things have gone pretty well i mean it yeah. seems like the staff everybody we've talked to seems pretty pleased with how it's gone yeah with, outside with, of with just, so many new guys outside together. of just the nagging injuries for some of these guys some of the minor stuff oh, that's yeah. kind of like which happens um you know i think i think they're pretty pleased with what, what they got and even the groups like wide receiver quarterbacks in these areas where you're like yeah we wish we were better off at this or we wish we'd be further along it's like it i think every coach has said it's not because the dudes aren't trying and they're not giving effort it's just we just have a lot of work to do at those spots which is I I keep saying this, and I think it I think it needs to be bears repeating. Like you got to keep in mind, Auburn has had a losing season back to back years. Like this is Auburn's naturally positioned to bounce back quickly, yeah. But there's still a lot of work to be done to be like this is not like it's not like they're inheriting like what Brian Harson inherited from Gus Malzahn. Right. This is this is a different situation, and, and so I think they're having to kind of sort through all that. We we were talking about it a little yesterday though with um uh, with with Jason Caldwell and uh. I think, though, that, that Hugh Freeze has, with the players he's brought in from the transfer portal, um, this team is in much, much better okay. position yep. to compete than it looked like before well, the additions. And then also, think about it. We were talking about earlier, there's three true freshmen 
mm-hmm. that you feel like are in a pretty good spot as early enrollees to play early, all of those guys were flips. Yeah, I was, that's exactly and what I was going to say. Every, None of those three guys were headed to Auburn before Hugh nope, Freeze was here. Nope, and it's a lot of impact that you get from those guys uh, right away. That's that's exactly what what you wanted. I think you're also seeing just Hugh Freeze's approach to being the head coach at Auburn, which is basically like a lot of recruiting, a lot of culture, a lot of, you know, Connecting with the players, you know, motivational guy, and really trusting his assistants to kind of, kind of turn it loose with, with mainly the football stuff because there's a lot of work to be done away from the X's and O's and what happens on the field that Auburn needs to get done. And, and that's where that's his responsibility ultimately. And uh, he's put a lot of emphasis on it. Mm-hmm. We talked about receivers, uh, some in the first hour. The other position that he had said, not this Monday, but last Monday, that needed to step up. He said that the two positions were quarterback and receiver there offensively. A little bit of a different story on quarterbacks this week. When we got a chance to to sit down with with Hugh Freeze on Monday, uh, he said he thought the quarterbacks had taken a step forward, and then that's when the the Hunter Gurner sort of, Ooh, uh, yeah. when he when he said that Hunter stood out Holden. and we and uh, Holden, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know where that one came from. Hey, right, uh, Hunter. Yeah, Ryan, you're right. You're right. Uh, that, uh, but but yeah, that Holden had stood out, yeah. and then then we go out on the practice field, and he's it wasn't taking just smoke. The one. Yeah, it just it wasn't, wasn't just oh, he stood out, and he's doing well, and he's back to being number three. And that's what I was telling people this week. It's like you know, how much do you read into? Hey, Holden Garner is doing a good job. Well, I think it's relevant because a Hugh had not really gotten specific about any of the quarterbacks until then, and then he offered that up. And then number two, we had not seen Holden be a first teamer at any point, or even no, second team. No, we'd seen him third. It, it, it had he been solid it had been third. TJ and Robbie when they, they would have two together. It'd be TJ and Robbie, and then it would be Holden. You know, with um, uh, is it Sawyer? Yes. Uh, you know, with when they rotate two more. Mm-hmm. This yeah. time he was the first one, and when they were a pair, it was it was Holden and Robbie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the thing with Robbie, we heard you know had battling some sorry actually Holden and TJ uh, Holden uh, battling some shoulder soreness, wasn't able to go fully last Wednesday or last Friday. Had a really good practice last Monday, according to according to Freeze, and we also know that like. Yeah, Robbie Astor does some things with his legs that you can't really show in, in spring ball. Are you worried a little bit about the the shoulder? I mean, because I mean, that was he, something that bothered him last fall. Yeah, yeah, no, you you definitely feel like for him to be in the best position you for this year, you need to get him to get healthy and get and get going in this offense. Um, but like the other thing is, is with with Holden Garner, you got to look. He's the highest rated court, a former quarterback recruit in that room right now. Um, this is a dude who. Uh, I think the final line was he threw for 63 touchdowns and six interceptions his yeah. final two years of high school. Had a great completion percentage. Like, dude's got arm talent. We heard about it all last year. It's like, he's mm-hmm. going to be a good passer. It's just, you know, he needed more time to get to get, to get get used to college football, and I think he's doing that. He's taking advantage of a new staff. Even though this offense isn't built for him as much as it is built for maybe a guy like Robbie Ashford, skill set-wise, there's a ton of value. You've got to be able to get the ball out and get it efficiently and get it accurately. And if you're the best at doing that, you've got a really good chance to start. It doesn't matter if you're not a dude who's going to take it 20 yards on his own read. He's not unathletic, though. No, I mean, but, he's not, but he's not a running No, No, option. he's not. But, yeah. I mean, if it, it all comes down to to what Hugh Freeze had said about quarterbacks and the things he's looking for in a quarterback is is they need to see. He, he needs them to know what they're seeing 
and then react from that and make the checks and get the team into the right play. Then it's about executing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, can it, you make the right decisions? Yeah. And it's a lot of that kind of between the ears is going to be really big for these quarterbacks. And, you know, I think if you can, if he can, as a young player who hasn't been through the fire yet, and he played a handful of snaps against Missouri last year, but as a guy who hasn't been through the fire yet, like if he can prove he can make those decisions over some guys that have played a lot, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think I think the fact that he might be your best just natural passer on the team could get you over the hump. Like you will you will live with the fact. I think if he's if he's if he's your best option, you will live with the fact that he's young that he's got to learn on the fly. Because in year one, you can build around a guy like that. Now, if you're in a situation where you know what a Robbie Ashford or a TJ Finley brings to the table is still better for you in year one, you still probably go with that. But um, that accuracy and that efficiency I think he can bring as a passer can overcome um, a lot of the inexperience, especially if he's out there on the practice field showing that he can be the guy to make the good decisions and, and, and know where to go with it. Yeah, and, he, and he's got a couple of things that can help him right now, and, uh, and, and that's the rooms we talked about. Auburn probably doesn't need to need to uh, be looking for anybody to add to, and that's running back and tight ends yeah. uh, with, with, with what appears to be an improved offensive line. Yeah, Auburn, I, I feel much better about Auburn's ability to run the ball, mm-hmm. and I like I like the tight ends. Uh, that's where if they if they could just come up with a go to receiver, a a guy that you know yeah. could can take the top off, or you can count on making every catch. Um, that would take an awful lot off the quarterback because if you're when you're doing the RPO and you've got those options of of run, short dump, or something else, and you've got and all three of them, you feel like yeah, they've got a chance to make a big play. I think two of those three are already in place right now. Yeah, and and I think that you've got dudes who have that kind of potential, like a Cameron Brown. I think has a ton of potential to be mm-hmm. a guy, but you haven't seen him kind of be that way right now. I do think. Javarius Johnson is going to be a weapon in that as well. I agree. With his speed and his I mean, he is he your best receiver. At his hands. I mean, yeah. he's got really good hands. He's your best receiver you've got coming back. And I think when you watch, like in the RPO game, a lot of it is that quick hitting stuff. I'm either going to hand it off or I'm going to I'm going to read where that linebacker is. I'm going to hand it off or throw it there. Well, if the guy you're throwing it to in the slot is hard to cover because he's mm-hmm. so fast and so agile. I mean, Devontae Smith won a Heisman off of that, where it was just. Just read and react, bang, bang, bang. Like you know, how, uh, Devontae Smith could take the top off of defense, but and how many more of his plays were just those little, those little peak RPOs where he'd hit a slant over the middle of the field and just all right, you can't right. catch me. Um, Javarius Johnson has the potential to be kind of that go-to guy for Auburn, and then you have some dudes on the outside where you run a RPO where. Um, and, and Cameron Brown was talking about learning how to read and react to defensive coverages like that where, hey, this corner's blitzing, or hey, this guy's pressing me. I know I can go. And it's just get past him, throw your hand up, and, 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 and make and the play. And that's something that is so much different than the receivers, any of them that have been here, no. have been doing or been taught. No, I mean, Auburn didn't run a ton of RPOs under Gus Malzahn, um, didn't run a lot of them at all at uh, no. under the previous staff, so... But it, it is the it is the the way to go, especially if you're playing um, high speed, up tempo kind of football like uh, like Phil Montgomery and Hugh Freeze like. You know, you're gonna you're gonna call in some plays where it's like, hey, we got a good run there on you know six yard gain, second and four, quick call. You're making one read, and if it's not there, you you hand it off, or if it's there, turn it loose, and you can go quicker and faster like that when you're not having to go. Right, we're gonna huddle, we're gonna get plays, we're gonna have these options and stuff like that. And no, it's just. 
bang, you you get it out there like that. And um, it it can be an offense that can be pretty dangerous. And you watch like what Tennessee did last year, and mm-hmm. and, and what they've done recently. Like a lot of that stuff is what Phil Montgomery like. Go watch old Baylor and watch what Tennessee does. It's very, very similar, and especially with with the way they like to get dudes out wide and take the take the top off of defenses. Yeah, so it's it's going to be really interesting the next time we get to see the guys out there, or um, you know, get more word out of like yesterday and and tomorrow's practice. Absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, you know you look for patterns more than anything mm-hmm. in spring ball. One th- one. Practice, one press conference, one answer doesn't tell you a lot. When it becomes a pattern, like when we're talking about some of these young players or some of these guys out there in certain spots, that's when you have to pay attention. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. A half an hour to go. Come on in and join us here on the Thursday Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email us at the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final 25 minutes of the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Uh, yeah, we've been, uh, we've been sort of following along. Now, unable to watch some of these, I'm very disappointed. I'm very disappointed. YouTube TV's lost the MLB network. It's bad enough that you that you can't watch the Braves just about anywhere with a lot of services now. I am I have uh, borrowed somebody's login uh, to watch <laughs> somebody who has cable so I can watch the Braves. I, yeah, I, I, really I made, made that strategic decision last year, uh, but yeah, this is a. It's been an interesting opening day. A lot, a lot, yeah, a lot of runs today. A lot more runs than you expect on opening day because yeah. it's usually aces. Usually, a lot of low-scoring games on on opening day. Got several close games right now in in the later innings, uh, and then uh, what in the world is happening that that Philly Texas game is still still wild to me that you know this is a game with. Aaron Nola, one of the best pitchers in in the National League. Jacob Degrom, who was the best pitcher alive for for several years running, uh, it's it's a it's a shootout in 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 Texas. So, pretty now, wild stuff. Now you did have we've had three shutouts today though, mm-hmm. as uh, as the Rays blanked the Tigers um, four to nothing. It was the 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 Cubs over the Brewers by that same score, and then the Yankees. Over the Giants, five nothing. So, so three shutouts, and and, 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 and then the Braves won seven two. And you're three outs away from uh, Twins blanking the Royals. So, so I mean, it could be nothing. four shutouts on opening day. Now that's thing. that that's up there. Uh, but games are definitely moving, moving much more quickly. That's one thing they had wanted, and they have gotten. Uh, I don't think I like we. It. I don't think we mentioned this on the air, but a couple of things that have happened today because of the new rules um, in that Braves game. And again, who was who was the pitcher that? Uh, Colin McHugh. Yeah, McHugh. Um, he didn't realize he had he had uh, walked a batter because he'd thrown three balls, but he did get uh, called for the for the pitch timer, and and got the extra ball added. 
before but, before the inning started. But yes, but what one one thing that apparently happened as I was listening to the broadcast, they said that the pitch count could not be corrected because Major League Baseball's official statistics have to have four balls for a walk. So they're going to have to change Unless that. Unless it's an intentional walk, right? Right. Yeah, wow. But the, but the pitch count, so the pitch count was going to be wrong. So anytime, at least here on day one, they're going to have to go back and adjust. For any time <laughs> there's been that penalty called, they're going to have to take that take an extra pitch away because it's, ha- it's, it's counting as a pitch. Anytime it says ball, it, it adds a pitch to the pitcher's pitch funny. count. Yeah. Now, now, of course, one thing I always wondered about the pitcher's, you know, throws to first base. That never counted. Mm-hmm. And I know they're not throwing as hard to first base, but it's funny. It, it, it ought to always act like, well, there's nowhere on the pitcher to keep throwing to first. Back when you used to be able to throw, just throw and throw and throw and throw to first. Now, as we said, you can only step off the mound or throw to a base twice uh, during a batter's at bat. So that's going to change things. That's going to add to all the stolen bases. We've seen a lot more stolen bases today. I think you're going to see uh, quite a few guys with 40-plus steals. And I, th- and I think, and we saw today in the Braves game, you're going to see a lot of catchers throw back and try to and try to get you know if if my if my yeah that's that's going to be the next rule they're going to add they're yeah. going to say you can the catcher can only do that once. You know, during felt like, a lot of players on the base. It felt like Cabert uh, Ruiz, the catcher for the Nationals, it felt like he tried it like twenty times. He's got a ridiculous arm. Yeah, he does too. And and they were talking about how Sean Murphy, that's the goal for for him to start doing that a lot more because it's like, hey, if my pitcher can't do it, you're well, trying to keep the runner close keep somehow. Him honest, keep him honest. Yeah. You know, the first baseman probably aren't thrilled with that. <laughs> Just getting bullets, snap all over throws there, yeah. all the time. You know, through the entire game. But the other thing. That, that I heard a couple of announcers discussing, and it was Cardinals announcers, were discussing the fact that Major League Baseball has, that, that, that has no allowance for things such as, uh, callback for the players. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for the fans, where the fans want the players to step back out and, and tip their hat. The clock is running. Yeah, you're gonna have to do so that during the pitch. You you're not gonna be able to do that. So somebody hits a makes a you know uh, hit, hits a huge home run or gets a big hit or makes a great play or something like that comes in. The crowd stands and, and wants him. Uh, I don't know how they'll do it. Maybe they'll have to start like show him on the scoreboard waving back or something like that. I, I don't know, but but the games are moving quicker uh, because you know opening days with uh with with afternoon games being staggered the way they are now you wouldn't have near as many finals you had a 10 to 9 final uh that the the Orioles beat the Red Sox 10 to 9 today and uh i believe that game was played in uh less than 3 hours i was looking at the uh, 3 trying, hours 10 minutes 3 hours and 10 minutes for a 10-9 american a league game? game yeah yeah that that uh that is definitely that probably cut forty five minutes off that game. Oh, for sure. So, uh, so things are moving more quickly. Speaking of baseball, Auburn baseball is um, making a trip to Gainesville, Florida, and they will go in with a uh, shuffled rotation. Auburn is really changing things up for the uh, pitching rotation this weekend down in Gainesville. Will Cannon, who has been the closer for Auburn, is going to get the start tomorrow night. Um, John Armstrong, who has uh, been v- very good at uh, whatever role they've used, but I mean he's been sort of a middle guy that that uh, could come in 
for an out or two, but then he could stretch it out over multiple innings. He's going to get the start on Friday, uh, on Saturday, and uh, and then Sunday, Tommy Vale, who's been the Friday night starter for the last couple of weeks, will get the start. So Butch Thompson, knowing who his three guys are starting, and it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know how how long he can expect any of his starters to go. I guess it's just give me a, give me the best you got as long as you have, and then we'll just piece things together. Uh, it does look like uh, uh, Tommy Sheehan uh, could be available here pretty soon. He's been battling uh, some some elbow problems. Uh, Zach Crotchfelt going to the bullpen. So he's a guy that could could come in and sort of be a, a long guy if they need it. But, uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting because the, the Auburn bats – I think I think they've got the lineup about healthy, and uh, they they feel pretty good about the uh, the, the lineup and the and the the starting nine, if you will, that that bat, uh, so that they can uh, can can be uh, you know not just top heavy, where they can be more balanced there in the lineup. But it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how how the pitching does. And this is a very very good Florida team. They're the number two team in the country that Auburn's going down to down to play. But hey, they're going in as big underdogs. I mean, uh, we talked with Justin Kirby yesterday afternoon, and you know, uh, I think they feel like they've got a little chip on their shoulder. That uh, you know, here they were picked again near the bottom after. After making it to the College World Series for the second time in in three opportunities, and uh, and and they know they can hit the ball, so you know they just they need to go down and if they can get one, if they can get one down in Gainesville, then they'll uh, um, you know it, it won't be the greatest situation. But you look at Ole Miss, Mississippi State are zero and six to start yeah. the year. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a college baseball expert, and I don't cover cover it closely. Oh, oh, the, that's, that the, that's your last two national champs. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's just uh, it, that's what I always and like. Didn't that's didn't, how that's how tough this league yeah, is. It's, it's didn't Ole Miss have like a really bad start uh, last year? They did. They yeah. really did. They 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 really had to come on to make the SEC tournament last year. And so it's, I think it's pretty crazy how how things can kind of shift, so, especially with so many. I mean, I would think every school in this league, or at least close to it, like takes baseball pretty seriously and mm-hmm. has put a lot of investment into it over the last decade or so. So, if you're not one of the traditional powers, um, the other thing I know about SEC baseball right now uh, is the kid down at LSU is playing a different sport than everybody else is. Uh, when you look at oh, his yeah. number, numbers each week, uh, he he was like he's like <laughs> there was one the other day where he won SEC Player of the Week and he had like he was batting like six fifty over the over the weekend or something. Yeah, like that. LSU LSU was uh, loaded, and then they they did what uh, you 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 want to do in the transfer portal, and that's bring in even better players when you already have as good. A talent as anybody in the country. Oh yeah, I think it's like yeah, Alabama did that in football when they got, and Georgia's done it a little bit too. Well, I guess they didn't do it in last year's team, but like Alabama, you know, going out and and, and getting Jameer Gibbs and guys like Henry mm-hmm. Toto and stuff like that. Like yeah, that's that's one of those things about the portals that you can rebuild a team very quickly through there, but it also uh, gives you opportunities if you're an elite team to just go ahead and just hammer on a, a little bit more. Uh, of that talent, and uh, obviously LSU in baseball has really figured that out, and you know a lot of other teams. Uh, I think Arkansas basketball is a good example of that as well. Recruit recruited at an insanely high level, and then still also get two or three <laughs> impact recruits oh, yeah. every year. It's a good way to a good way to keep it going. Uh, 
334-321-1390. We're uh, approaching our, our final break of the afternoon, but we still have time. Love for you to join in. Any thoughts, questions, comments that you have about anything going on in the world of sports? Who do you like in the uh, final four? Um, anything that uh, anything we can help you with? Come on in as we head to our final break here on the Thursday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final segment here on this Thursday afternoon with Bill and Justin Ferguson. And let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Matt is up next. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. I'm glad you're uh, able to take phone calls again. I tried to listen earlier. God, so are we. Let me tell you. It's, it's, that's <laughs> yeah, tough. It's hard to fill the time. Uh, but anyway, one thing I wanted to call about earlier this week, and I hope you guys, you probably, probably already talked about it, but I haven't heard it. I noticed that a couple of the Auburn seniors uh, on Pro Day had holding in the air, whatever, how you pronounce his name, uh, throw to him. Is that because of his accuracy or his sight? I, I thought that was a compliment to him, and I've heard that it, it's given him a little confidence uh, with the practice uh, ongoing. Yeah, John Samashanker picked him out to throw, throw to him. Um, Cam, I believe, threw to uh, Cheddar Jackson and his brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they were rotating, that was kind of the order they went in. And, and I, think, I think Tank got balls from from holding as well so uh catching out but yeah it, it definitely i think sure um, didn't hurt i mean it definitely didn't hurt i think somebody asked uh somebody asked uh hugh about that recently and he was like well you know he was throwing against air so you know you should should be able to do it. but yeah obviously you know being able to kind of do that and, and show some confidence that other guys have confidence in you especially dudes who were leaving the program i think was it was, was a big sign for him and you know dude's got arm talent i mean a lot of people talked about how good he was throwing the ball last mm-hmm. year he just was a freshman, and 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 Auburn didn't you know Auburn didn't play him. Yeah, you've got to you've got to know you know where the receivers are going to be, and and uh, understand what what's coming from the defense. But apparently, that is really coming on strong for him. And uh, yeah, after 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 Hugh called him Griner, uh, I, I asked Kirk Sampson. I said uh, I just want to make sure since we're going to be talking about him, just want to make sure I pronounce it right. And he said just. Take the eye out. Just call him like it's Gurner. He said, "Just yeah. Gurner." Mm-hmm. Gurner. Okay. Well, that helps. Thanks. Um, how big a kid is he? Is he big enough? He's to he's good size. Six three. Yeah, he's at least six, six three, three. Two ten at least. He's 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 pretty okay. solid. So chances are, uh, Finley will probably be third between. Uh, I guess it depends on how Ashley's shoulder is doing. Any update on whether his shoulder is going to be healthy moving forward? Or are they going to? And nobody's used the. Surgical word, I hope. Hopefully, no. I haven't heard. I have not heard anything about that. That's why. That's why we were talking as we went to break a little while ago. That this the, the next few days going to be really interesting. To you know what we hear from from these few practices leading up to a day week, and when we see them, hopefully, I mean, I hope we get. I mean, we've had the opportunity to see practice every Monday. Justin, mm-hmm. if we get that opportunity again, it's going to be really interesting to see how guys line up because how they line up leading into A Day, I think, is uh, uh, pretty important. Is that A Day game going to be streamed somewhere on TV somewhere we can watch it? It is streamed, I believe, uh, SEC Network SEC Plus. SEC Network Plus. Yes. yes, that's right. Right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate the call, Matt. 
By the yeah. way, by the way, do you know the only spring game that's on TV this year? Uh, on, on, on no, it's Colorado. Not. Oh, really? Yeah, Georgia and Alabama are both streaming. I did not know yeah. that. The only one who's that's on cable or over the air TV Why? is uh, Dion. Oh yeah, that's right. I was but like, but like over the team that's won back to back national championships over yeah. Alabama, who always is just a ratings gold mine whenever they pop up on TV. Anyway, well, you know the thing is, most spring games just aren't aren't that exciting anyway, and it's I, tough I agree. To, it's tough to make them very exciting. I, I, I'm so, I mean, at with least you. at least I, you know they'll have Dion mic'd. Yes. <laughs> so I mean that that that'll at least be something entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I'll be very interested to see kind of where where that goes. Um, just they they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna be very good, but I don't. It's gonna, they're gonna get a lot. They got of a lot attention. of. They got a lot of new players. Yeah, they got a ton of new players for sure, and so uh, there's gonna be a lot of attention on them. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think you know we'll talk about it more next week. I think there's. Uh, I think there's going to be a really good crowd. Hope the weather next weekend is great. I mean, with with SEC baseball with Texas A&M coming in with the Frank Thomas statue, um, with with A Day, I've I've got a feeling there's going to be a really really good crowd and a lot of interest for A Day. Yeah, there there should be. Um, I think it has the potential to be one of the better A Days in a while in terms of attendance. I hope he does what he said he was gonna what he's gonna do with it. Oh uh, yeah, the the, the set score. idea. Yeah, it's basically like the it's basically like the um, spot spot the uh, yeah. It's like the it's like the football version of the um, of the uh, what, what is it called the the Elam ending in, in basketball that they've been doing now. Yeah, it's a it's a cool yeah. idea. Play spot, off yeah, it, give, play the, give the defense, defense however many twenty points or whatever like that twenty twenty one. Whoever you want to throw out there first second That's whatever right. doesn't it's, matter. It's, it's offense versus defense. It's the defense's job to hold the offense under that number of points, and it's the offense's job to score more than that number of points. Yep. I think it's a great idea. And I hope they I hope they go with it because that would make for a lot more entertaining game than okay, they're putting up points, but yeah, it's ones oh, against twos. There's a first or, down, that's a point. Yeah. Th- those things that. drive me crazy when you look yeah, up and tough. it's like uh we we, we, we had a Plus yardage, or the defense made a, a tackle for a loss. So that's so many points for them. No, that's that drives me crazy. So, so yeah, we'll find that out uh, next week. So looking forward to that. Justin, before we run out of time, let everybody know about the uh, the Observer, what yep. all you've got, and, and how they can get it. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. A lot of uh, spring football this week. Also got a basketball tracker, roster tracker, where you can keep track of uh, the comings and goings on Auburn's roster and some transfer targets as well. Uh, and uh, we'll have a uh, both a podcast and a uh, and a mailbag out tomorrow. Uh, so there's gonna be a lot of stuff. AuburnObserver.com, forty dollars for your first year if you sign up uh, right now. We're running that special between now and the end of eight day weekend. So perfect time. We email everything to you uh, at six a.m. Central Time most weekday mornings. AuburnObserver.com. Like I said, you'll get two things tomorrow uh, if you sign up. And then. Uh, um your thoughts on on who's going to get there? I mean, well, yeah, we won't talk to you on the air before, yeah. before the final four is done I, for our national championship. It, it's is. hard. It's hard for me to pick against UConn right yeah, now. It is. They just the fact that they're just blowing the doors off of everybody is 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 one thing. And so I think UConn. I mean, UConn, Florida, uh, Florida Atlantic. I mean, just the juice they've got on offense right now, and San Diego State, Steve. They're the they're the Cinderella. I mean, they're mm-hmm. the ones. That's the underdog that everybody. It's like you know, if, if you don't we have dug, a team in the fight, then I think we dug Florida it up, Atlantic's the one. We dug it up the other for. day. If you remember the first Wichita State team that made a deep run in the tournament, um, 
that was uh, under Greg Marshall. I think they went to the Final Four, or at least came close to the Final Four. Uh, that team was nine seed, but in the regular season, they won a billion games, really highly rated by all the metrics, and just got underseeded because of who they played and then went on a tear. FAU is very much like that, and so it'll be interesting to see them make some more noise. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Justin. Yes, uh, appreciate you being here. Uh, have a great weekend. Absolutely. Y'all too. All right, that's going to do things for the Thursday drive. Brian Matthews is going to uh, uh, check in with us.